Amen. Well, as you are seated, I want to thank you for coming back to uh, Grace City Church this week. Today's your first day, or you haven't been here in a while. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And we kicked off a new series last week, a three-part series called Cheerful, that, uh, as you may have heard Dr. Weeks at the beginning of the service talk about, it's all about uh, faith and generosity, joy, your life experience. And the reason we're talking about this, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, is because uh, as the pastor, as your pastor, I really want you to grow in your faith. I, I want you to grow in your understanding of who God is, and even more specifically, who God is in relation to you, who you are in relation to God. So who he's called you to be, have a better understanding, have a really clear picture of where you fit into God's story, into this mission that he has set out to accomplish of calling the world back to himself. Another reason that we're talking about this and going through this is because I want you to be happy. I want you to have a fulfilled and joy-filled life. I'm not talking about like fleeting, uh, temporal, you know, happiness, like, oh my gosh, I just want to scratch off, you know, that kind of goes away as soon as you spend that money or lose it or whatever. I'm talking about like deep joy, like profound experience of, of being satisfied and fulfilled and purposeful. And I actually believe that the Bible is extremely clear about the role that generosity plays in both of those things. And you growing in your faith, growing deeper in your understanding and love for God, and also you growing uh, to having more profoundly joyful experience as you walk about this earth each and every day. And so that's what we're talking about. Last week, we kind of kicked things off with this idea that living generously is the key to a happy life. And you say, well, Nathan, as a, as a pastor who, you know, collects an offering every week, that's a very self-serving statement. And I agree with you. Uh, if I didn't believe the Bible didn't teach this, I would not share this with you. I don't try to manipulate you in any way. I actually believe the Bible points to this. And the reason for that is because it's generosity that God uses to align our heart with his. You are never more like God than when you are giving. If you think about this, like, one may say, well, you're never more like God than when you forgive. But isn't forgiveness an act of generosity? Isn't giving an act, or isn't forgiveness an act of giving? That you're, that you're giving away your right to hold this offense or to hold this grudge. They were saying, what you did, I'm no longer going to hold against you. And so at the heart of who he is, God is a giver. He gave his son so that we might have eternal life. So as we experience and, and, um, and, and exercise generosity, we become more like God. We looked at a couple other ideas last week. We talked about how, um, honestly, like when we find ourselves discontent and dissatisfied with our life, whatever that might be, like I'm just not happy, I would often say that that has to do more with a lack of generosity being expressed and extended than it does a lack of the things that you might be able to use more of. For instance, you're unhappy and you think, man, if I just had a little bit more time, or I'm unhappy if I just had a little bit more money. I'm unhappy because I, I need another friend. I, I just don't have enough really helpful, pure, good relationships. That's where our mind naturally goes. That if we just had a little bit more, we would be more fulfilled. We would be happier. But I think the Bible actually says the opposite. That we would be happier. We would have a more purposeful and, and ex, an awesome experience living our life if we would find a way to use the resources and the gifts that God had to give us with this proper mindset and give more of them away. That our, our satisfaction is actually more dependent on our generosity than it is on the things that we receive. Because the way you choose to use your resources, think about that. Your time, your energy, the gifts and the talents that you have, and yes, your money, goes a long way in determining the quality of your life. You see, I think this is true. I think God's design for our life, our entire life, involves a combination 
of stewardship and generosity. And this is very much a faith issue, meaning it, it requires us to have the right mindset about all the things that we have, the things that you would think are your own. So if I look at you, I say, you have 24 hours in a day. You have that time to choose and use however you want. Or you have a certain amount of energy. I don't know how big your tank is. Some of us have these giant energy tanks, and some of us are kind of limited, right? We, that's why we need the siesta in the middle of the day to kind of refuel and refresh, right? We close the door to our office, we rest our eyes for a little bit, and then we go back to work, okay? But, but you have a certain amount of energy given any, any given day, and you choose to extend that energy or use that energy however you might do that. And the same is true for your finances, the same is true for the gifts you have. So you have unique gifts. Some of you guys are incredible. Like you have these minds that see things like design and architecture and things like that. And so you have this gift that's able to, to kind of plan things out or to, to throw things up on a canvas that none of us else could figure out. That's a unique gift that you have. Others of you are incredible writing things and communicating with the written word. And others of us are like, man, we barely made it through ninth grade English with Mrs. Bryant. You know what I mean? It's like that's, that's our experience. And so you have these gifts, these unique talents, and that's part of the resources that God has given you to manage and to steward. So it requires us to say, okay, all the things that I have, those are things that have been entrusted to me. They're not actually mine. I don't own them. I just have control over them because God has given me that control. And then generosity comes in because it's like, okay, with these resources, I can utilize them for the good of me, or I can leverage them for the good of others around me. And maybe there's a combination somewhere in there. Maybe it's, maybe it's partially taking care of myself and, and, and providing some things that really do bring me joy and great experiences, but it's also saying, I don't want everything that I have control over to only serve myself. And yet, this is difficult, right? Because this is why like, um, your trust in God is revealed when you take a close look at the way you're expending your resources. This is why it's so uncomfortable to look through your bank statement and go, how much money did I spend on myself this month? Right? If you think about it, like how much did I spend on myself? How much of my time did I spend? Let's just talk about quote unquote free time. You may say, Nathan, I don't have any free time. All right, great. If you've ever watched a show on Netflix or, the, or a local television network, you have free time. That is not, like no one's forcing you to binge watch a TV show or the news or the sports game or whatever it might be, all right? Like that is free time that you've chosen to use. And so just look at the time that you have that you've chosen to use for your own entertainment purposes or your own comfort or just your own kind of refreshing, whatever that looks like. The way we use those oftentimes reveals our heart and our trust in God. Because most of us believe that we're generous. We can point to a particular thing that we've given away. So, ah, clearly I'm generous, but generosity is measurable. And if you've ever taken that, that challenge that I issued at the end of last week's message to actually look at your bank statement and look at your calendar and say, okay, how much of this am I giving away and how much of this am I pouring back into myself? You might find, like I have every time I've done it, that you're not nearly as generous as you think you are. But I want you to grow, and I want to grow. And if you want to grow, we've got to get better at understanding generosity. So with that in mind, I'm going to share a verse with you today that kind of is a, is a summary verse for God's idea when it comes to these resources and the gifts that he's given you. It says in Proverbs 3.9, this wise saying in Proverbs, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. 
All right, so this wise proverb here is kind of God's instruction for us. And there's a promise that comes in verse 10 that you're welcome to read for yourself because it basically says God will provide for you and take care of all of your needs. But it starts with us honoring God with our wealth. Now, when you think of wealth, I don't want you to just think of your bank account. I want you to think of all of those things that you have, all of the resources. And God's design is saying, it's like our response to him trusting with this is for us to turn back around to God and say, God, you've given me this. How can I use some of this to help you accomplish this master plan that you've invited me to be a part of, right? And so the idea is that we have this mindset that everything we have is God's, and we honor his trust in in giving us these things by making our first investment of these resources in his redeeming work. We say, God, there's a lot of things out there. I've got to pay my light bill. I've got to pay my mortgage. I've got to put gas in my tank. I've got to put food on the table. I've got all this kind of stuff, but I understand that, that As I consider all of that and how my budget works with all these different things, I want to honor you. I don't want to give you the leftovers. That's what it means by giving you the first fruits. I don't want to give you the leftovers. I don't want to get to the end of the month and go, oh my gosh, I got 50 cents left. I'm going to give that to God. Where should I give it? Should I give it to my local church? Should I give it to that Christian nonprofit organization? Should I give it to that, you know, should I pool my resources and do something in my neighborhood? That's not the idea. The idea is that we intend to give to God first that our first offering is back to God as, as a response to our understanding that he has trusted us with all of these things. Well, it's not just the Old Testament that talks about this. The New Testament talks about it too. In fact, Jesus talked a lot about money. And one of the things he said in the Sermon on the Mount is this. He said, I don't want you to store up for yourself treasures on earth. Don't be consumed with building up a, a platform or a, a treasure trove or an account for yourself here on earth. Because that's where moth and rust destroy. It's where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. They can't touch it. Where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? And what Jesus is saying here is that you have a choice. You have been entrusted with these resources, these time, your money, your talents, your energy, all these things. And you have a choice. You are a perfectly fine human with free will. But your choice is going to reveal a great deal about how you think about God, about your trust in God. It's going to, it's going to reveal what your eyes are fixed on. Are your eyes fixed on this world or are your eyes fixed on the world that is to come? Because that is where your treasure should be, right? Uh, Paul, writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor. Paul was the church planter, right? And so he's kind of giving him instructions. This is how you pastor. This is what you should do. This is what he says in 1 Timothy. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age. By the way, if you read this and go, well, that doesn't qualify as me, you're reading this the wrong way, all right? Because if you put gas in your tank to get to church today, you are rich, by worldly standards, all right? You are, you are rich. We, every single one of us is rich. Instruct those who are rich in the present age, that's all of us, not to be arrogant, okay? So let's not be arrogant because we have a lot, or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. So don't put your hope in the things that you've been able to accomplish and accumulate for yourself, but rather on God. So we're setting our hope on God because God is the one who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. That's the key to a happy life, enjoy. Instruct them, that's those of us who are rich, to do what is good. And then look what he says is good, to be rich in good works. So it's not about being rich because of what you have, it's to being rich in the way that you live that out, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be willing to share. Storing up, look what he says, the same thing Jesus said, storing up for themselves treasure 
as a good foundation for the coming age, not this world, but the world that is to come, so that, and I love, 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 love the way this ends, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. So what Paul is saying to Timothy is instruct them to be generous, to be rich in their works, to live out generosity in every way with their energy, with their finances, with their time, to be generous because it's going to do two things. One, it's going to prevent them from finding hope in the things of this world. It's going to prevent them from from falling into the pattern of this world, This, this greed and the rat race that is kind of modern culture. Culture then, culture now. But the other thing it's going to do, it's going to allow them to take hold of what is truly life. It's going to present an alternative to the messages of the world. It's going to say, this is what the world says is going to make you happy. But if you'll be generous, if you'll see your resources as something that you should be giving away for the benefit of others, it's going to allow you to taste the good life, to really take hold of what is life. What they're promising, if you pursue the things of the world, listen, it's temporal, it's, going to, it's flash in the pan, you're going to feel good for a while, but it's never going to satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. But if you will be generous in good works and being willing to share with one another and generous all those ways, then you will take hold of what is truly Life. So Jesus presents these two choices, and then Paul presents this alternative, right? And so if you decided in your heart that you'd like to be generous, you may say, okay, how do I go about doing that? What do I do that? And how might I do that with a local church? You're sitting in a local church today, and I'm telling you that God's designed for at least Christian generosity. And if you're not a believer, listen, you're going to get a really good kind of behind-the-scenes insight into the way that God has designed the church to function. But I also would issue you a challenge— That even if you don't believe in Jesus, this part of God's design for our life to be generous so that we might be a blessing to others would serve you well. And as you start to practice this, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you you might find yourself drawn more toward God. Because I believe there are blessings for those who start to live out the Christian life even before they've crossed the line of faith. So an understanding of the local church requires you to maybe read the book of Acts, which is kind of the first 50 years of, of early church history. And then to get some insight into the early church and the way it functioned, you should also read Paul's letters, like the letters to the Galatians or the Romans or his letters to Timothy, a young pastor. But he actually talks a great deal about the local church and about generosity in the local church in his letters to the church in Corinth. We know those as 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And last week we looked at 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 and this idea that we are blessed to be a blessing. That God has given us resources, different resources, unique resources, a unique combination, each and every one of us, so that we might invest those in the lives of others in the mission of God And when we do that, he responds by replenishing those resources. You might say, listen, if I give everything away, I won't have anything left over. But God says, if you will put your faith into action and you invest those resources for the mission of God, I will replenish those resources so you can be even more generous. But ultimately, the end result that 2 Corinthians 9 and Paul's argument, the end result is that through your generosity, others will come to know, love, and follow Jesus. That is what generosity is all about. It's seeing your life and your resources used for eternal transformation in the life of somebody else. We celebrated baptism last week. Each and every one of you, it would be very difficult to convince you not to give if you had a firm conviction that by giving something of your own, others would come to know Jesus. And so when we find ourselves hesitant to give, I think the question we need to be asking is, Why do I not see my generosity as playing a role in somebody else coming to faith? Is it something about the church that I'm at? Is it something about the mission? Is it something about my heart? Is it something about me not trusting God replenishing those resources if I give them away? Because if I give it away, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough. In 1 Corinthians 
Chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul goes into great detail about another side of generosity. That's the gifts, the spiritual gifts that you get when you accept Jesus Christ. They come into your life. He says, listen, we all have different gifts. But the way the local church was built to function is that we all bring those unique different gifts together. And we say, how might we combine our efforts and leverage our combined giftings to be a blessing to the world around us so that we can share the redemptive story of, of Christ with the world around us, with our neighbors, with the people that we do life with, and then invite them to be a part of this. And they see us functioning because we're not all good at the same things. In fact, I'm terrible at something that Austin's great at, or I'm, I'm really good where, where Zach is bad or whatever it might be. But we come together and we say, God, if we could learn to work together, and that's what it's all about. Because he's, he's saying, listen, some of you guys think that this gift is better than the other gift. And so he's talking to them and he's explaining it. Three chapters of explaining how it's meant to work. But that's another side of generosity is that we come together and we pool our resources and we say, God, understanding your call on us to be a blessing to the community around us, how might we use these gifts for your service, right? Well, he says other two things, and specifically about financial offerings in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So the first place we're going to turn this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And this is just a very practical, logistical couple of sentences where he gives us some insight into God's design for the offering in the local church. Now I mentioned I was going to explain that to you. So this is chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, he says, Now about the collection for the saints. When you guys get together, we always take up an offering. Let me talk to you about that offering. That's what he's saying. I want you to do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches, right? I'm not making one rule for you and one for one another. This is every local church. So if you were to walk down the street to Redeemer, if you were to walk across there to, to Bellwether or wherever it might be, this is our instruction as local churches as we collect an offering for the saints, for, for one another and the missions that we're called to. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save it in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will be need to be made when I come. Here's what he's saying in, in, in verse 2. He's saying, um, I'm gonna, we're going to collect, and then on the first day of each week, I want you to decide, go ahead and decide in your heart, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, decide in your heart what you want to give. I want you to do it on the first day of the week, so that when the end of the week comes and you attend that service, you've already decided at the beginning of the week what it is you're going to give. You're not giving leftovers, you're making your generosity a first priority. So it needs to be regular because in the first of the week it involves this, I'm showing up to church every week. I get it. Some of you guys don't love to do that. I think you should. Not so you're giving more, but because that's what it was designed to be, that we learn to grow and know each other and love each other and experience all the parts of being a, a family and community of faith. But as you're doing this regularly, I want you to set this aside. It's going to be collected, so it should be regular. It should be intentional. There should be a priority to it. And it should be proportional. It should be in line with what you have. It says that no collections, it says with, in keeping with how he is prospering. So this should be some kind of, of, of maybe percentage of what you have at the beginning of each week. That's the thing. Our offerings should be regular. We talk about recurring. That just means repetitive, over and over, right? It should be prayerfully intentional. In other words, you don't show up to just go, I don't know what I'm going to give today. We'll see how good the sermon is. I mean, like, for generations, pastors have felt incredibly, like, a ton of pressure because they feel like if they have a great sermon, then the response might be amazing. And if it's a terrible sermon, well, I'm not giving today. Like, like, first of all, that's a terrible understanding both ways. Like, if you've ever given because a sermon was good, that's a terrible reason to give. And if you've ever not given because a sermon was bad, that's a terrible reason to give. And I should never get up here trying to coax more generosity out of you. This is a faith issue. This is you saying, I want to grow in my faith, so I want to become more generous. So you should prayerfully think about it. Before you ever show up at church, 
before you ever go to the website to set up a gift, you should pray about it. God, what is it you want to do in me? What might stretch me so that I might grow in my faith? And then the last thing it should be is it should be proportional, right? Like, we, it should be proportional. So like as my income grows or as maybe the, the resources I have, as I get more and more of that quote-unquote free time, my percentage grows. It's one thing to say, hey, listen, I started making 200 bucks a week when I was in college. I had this part-time job. I've always given just 20 bucks a week because that's 10% of 200. And now I'm a doctor and I make $200 every time I sneeze. You know, it's like one of these things, but I'm still giving 20 bucks a week. Like, I don't think that that works, right? I don't think that's how it's meant to be. It's like as your resources grow, that's the 2 Corinthians 9 principle, as these resources grow, our generosity grows. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to describe. All right, the last passage I'm going to share with you this morning is actually 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So if you want to hop over to 2 Corinthians, we looked at chapter 9 last week, but chapter 8, again, very practical Paul was talking to them about this collection. He's specifically talking to them about another church and the collection that he took from them. Starting in verse 1. 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. He says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. Now, this isn't 1 Macedonians, this is 1 Corinthians. So he's writing to a church in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. He says, I want you to know about something that we saw there. Let me tell you about what happened. It says, during a severe trial brought about by affliction, bad times, their abundant joy, good thing, and their extreme poverty, bad thing, we're kind of reading this, all of that overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, how might extreme poverty overflow in a wealth of generosity? It tells me two things. One, they were giving outside and beyond their means. They believed so strongly in the mission of the church and the different places that they were giving that money to that they said, even though I have nothing, I'm going to give whatever I have. It also means that they found other ways to be generous outside of financial resources. I think both of those should be true for us. He says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. That's what he sees generosity. When you are generous with a local church, is what Paul is saying, you are sharing in ministry. You become a partner in ministry. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves, I love this verse, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. And what Paul is saying here is, let me tell you why the Macedonians were so great at generosity. It's because when they came to faith in Jesus, they surrendered their entire life to him. They said, nothing in my life is off limits to you, God. I am surrendering my life. It's not just about my resources. I see my whole life as a gift that you have given me. I see my whole existence as something that you have trusted me with. And I want to be a good steward of that which you have given me. And so I surrender everything to you. And when you surrender everything to God, then the generosity of your resources just flows naturally out of that. It is extremely difficult to grow in generosity if you have not first surrendered your entire life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So we see that generosity is not dependent or on comfort or success or plenty. And we see that generosity flows naturally out of a life that has been surrendered to God. As it continues in verse 6, So we urge Titus, one of the church leaders, he wrote a letter to him, that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. So we said, Titus... Take up an offering. Verse 7. Now as you excel in everything. Oh, I love this verse too. 
as you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. Think about this for a second. If you've been around church for a while, or maybe, you've, like, as, just, maybe metaphors, you're a student, and like not every subject comes naturally to you, but like you really, like, like math comes naturally, science comes naturally, like, like I want to be good at this. And maybe you decide like something that, that you're not so good at, you're going to pursue that. And so like I got math, I got science, they're kind of natural to me. English, never so good, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue that. I'm going to be diligent in becoming better at language arts or writing or understanding literature or whatever. I, and so you devote yourself to that. What Paul is saying here is that as early church Christians, believers, parts of, this, of God's family, what he recognizes is, listen, I see that you're diligent in pursuing a deeper faith, a deeper trust in God, like living your life by faith, in speech, in becoming better at talking about God and, and having your speech that, that, that's, that's flavored well and represents God well, in knowledge, you are studying the Bible, you want to understand it so much better, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, you are growing in your love for us. But here's the deal, don't stop there. Challenge yourself to become even more generous. So it's, it's like he doesn't, like these aren't, aren't better or worse. It's not like somebody who knows the Bible like a, a Bible scholar is any more spiritually mature than the person that's exceptionally generous. In fact, I would argue if you're a Bible scholar, but you're not good in any of these other things, you might not be spiritually mature at all. You may only be really smart when it comes to the Bible, but you may, may very hard, uh, very far from and misaligned with the heart of God. And so Paul said, this is an entire life thing. All those other things that you want to grow in, you want to do that. That's why you come and listen and take notes. It's why you do a daily devotional. It's why all of those things, like I want to get better at being a witness and telling my story. Paul is saying challenge yourself as, a, as to be a more generous as well. I just love that verse. In verse 8, I'm not saying this is a command. I'm not telling you what you have to do. But rather by the means of diligence to others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. In other words, your response to the opportunity to be generous, is going to reveal a great deal about your heart. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know Jesus. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. God is not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done first. Jesus emptied himself of all divine privilege to die on a cross for your behalf. Why would we not surrender and empty ourselves for him and his mission? And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you. In other words, the reason I'm talking to you about generosity, the reason we're taking up a collection is because this is actually good for you. This is going to help you grow in your faith. Who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. So last year, God was doing something in your heart. You started to want to be more generous. He continues. So finish this task so that just as there was an eager desire, I want to be more generous, there may also be a completion. I am. I've done it according to what you have. There's that phrase again, proportional, according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, if your heart is right, then the gift is acceptable according to what a person has. God knows what you have to give, and he knows your heart, and he knows your attitude, not according to what he does not have. This isn't one of those things saying, man, I wish I was wealthy. I would give the church all my money. This is saying, this is exactly what I have, God. And I want, to give, I want to give part of it to you. So challenge me. Tell me, what is the appropriate thing to give? It's not just money. Like I've, I, listen, I don't got a whole lot of money right now, God. Like, I'm a student. I'm just, I'm piling on more and more debt. I'm just, I'm taking it on. Like, I don't have enough money to give. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to give something. But is there another way I can serve you? According to what I have, not according to what I don't have. And God says, you know what you got? You got an amazing heart for kids. 
And we got a kids ministry over there that's growing each and every week. And Emily and amazing leaders, you know what they need? They need people who are great with kids, who love Jesus, and can explain difficult concepts in ways that kids can understand. And you've got that gift. So will you do that according to what you have? That's, that's what being generous is all about. You know, I believe in the local church. I actually think that the local church is God's plan A for this current season of his mission. That local churches like ours and Redeemer and Bellwether and Fondren and all these other churches across the globe that look a little bit different based on their context, that is God's primary instrument to bring the world back to himself. So when we give to a local church, when we decide we're a part of a local church, we're actually giving directly to the mission of God. In giving, being generous, sharing our gifts, our finances and our talents and our gifts with our local church, that's one of the ways that you and I can and should say to our church, you are my family. I belong to you and you belong to me. I'm all in. Let's do this together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we can do. And so last week, last week I, uh, I challenged you. Well, let, me, let me stop for a second. We just did the, the budget here at the church for next year. Elders, and I serve as one of six elders. And so we've been talking about budget and all of our ministry leaders came in. And they were like, uh, you know, they, I, I could use $50,000. Nobody said that. They knew that. But... Um, you know, I could use some money. We got some great things. And, um, and the elders had to pray about it and think about it and, and approve a budget for next year. And we're very close to that. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, your generosity, your financial generosity is the lifeblood of these ministries. That kids' ministry that's blowing at the seams, this, this student ministry that not only reaches about 15 kids here every week, but also reaches about 50 kids in the neighborhood every Sunday afternoon. Your generosity is the lifeblood of that. And it's not just your financial generosity. Listen, we cannot be the church that God has called us to be or do the things that God has called us to do if you are not generous with us financially. If you don't see that as a part of you living out your faith as a part of a local body of believers. And we cannot be who God called us to be and do what God called us to do if you're not willing to share your gifts and talents with us. And we had two college students leading us in worship this morning. A couple that just graduated from college, right? We have, we have people who say, I've got... I've got a little bit to give. I've got a gift. I've got a talent. How might I use that in my local church? How might I do that? And so I, I think ultimately this is true, that we're never going to realize our full potential as a church. I think this is true for every church until every one of us in the family adopts generosity as the default setting for every gift and resource we are given by God. And this isn't just a corporate thing. I don't know that you'll ever reach your full potential as a missionary, as somebody on mission for God, until you adopt generosity as a practice for every resource that God has entrusted you with. Now, people ask a lot about tithing. People talk about tithing, and I mentioned last week that I'm going to mention tithing. So let me just say this. Spoiler alert, get to them to it. I don't think the 10% spiritual tax, as I see it, imposed in the Old Testament under Mosaic law still applies in 2022. Why do you guys say, whoo, all right, I can stop that. I can spend that money somewhere else. Okay, so... Or some of you are like, well, I've never been to church. I never did that because I thought it was stupid to begin with. Real quick, the tithe, the first time we see it, Abraham. Abraham has this amazing thing. He gives 10% of what he has at the time as an offering. Two generations later, Jacob does the same thing, 10%. Tithe means 10%. All right? It was never a law or an expectation for the people of God until Leviticus, when Moses, among all the other laws, talks about this tithing law. And the reason he did it is because at the time there was a temple and there were 12 tribes. We've talked about the 12 tribes and some of those were the Levites. And the Levites were the temple workers. Let me tell you about the Levites. 
The tithe was designed to provide for the Levites or the temple workers. You say, well, that makes sense. It's like we give so that Nathan can make money. Okay, no, that's not what it is. Okay, because the Levites, very different than like New Testament pastors, were not allowed to own land or inherit land or make a living outside of their work at the temple. Which means they were relying fully on the generosity of the people, which is why God established it as a part of the rule under Moses' kind of command. All right, That was the way all the way through the Old Testament. But the moment that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and the New Testament church was launched in the book of Acts, that old tithing practice went away because the New Testament church is not just the the correlation of the Old Testament temple. It's different. As a pastor, as an elder, every single person who you see on our staff page of our church actually makes, we get paychecks from the church. We make a living at the church, which means we're not fully relying on all of your generosity to take care of every one of our needs. It's one of the things the elders have come together and do. So our generosity, and the expectation would be for us, like the Levites didn't tithe because they didn't have any money. Me and the staff, we're expected to be generous with our gifts and every other resource that we have. So we're as much a part of the family as everybody else. It's no longer applicable to the New Testament church. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he did away with the expectation of the tithe and the way that it worked within the family of God. That's one of the things that you should know. This week, uh, my challenge to you, last week I said, look at your generosity and pray 2 Corinthians 9, 7 personally. This week, my challenge to you is to, is to challenge yourself to grow in your faith by, by looking to see where you can stretch and become more generous. Listen, I hear so often, I want to grow in my faith. I want to get deeper, right? Which means they basically want to like understand revelation. That's what I, that's like, typically when people say, I want to go deeper. It's like, well, read it for yourself, you know? I can promise you, if you challenge yourself to become more generous with your local church and the things in where you see the kingdom of God at work, you will grow in your faith. Because as you decide to give more of what you have away, you will become more reliant on God coming to provide for the things tangible and intangible that you need in your life. And let me tell you what he's going to do. God's going to show up. And when God shows up and he replenishes those resources like he's promised to do, you're going to stand back and go, how did that happen? That didn't, that didn't line up with that 12th grade economics class. Like, I don't understand how that worked. I gave more away and then it's more just kind of showed up. And again, I'm not talking about a financial windfall. I'm talking about contentment, providing for your needs. But he's going to provide more of what you have so that you can be, continue to be more generous. And your love for him is going to grow. And your trust in him is going to grow. And you're going to become more effective as a, as a storyteller and a witness. Because you're going to start talking about that real personal story of the things that God has done in your life. And so my question is, what will your generosity story be? How might God use your generosity Might you go from somebody who gives from the leftovers to someone who decides the beginning of the month, this is what I'm going to give. And if something comes up, I'm not going to dip into that account and say, I can pay it out of that. This isn't your miscellaneous that after it's all been kind of taken away from, well, i got 10 bucks left. This is saying, God, my first fruits, I'm going to decide are going to go to you. All right, That's, that's what it is. Maybe that's your generosity story. Or maybe God wants to work in your life and you say, listen, God, you know you have a full account of what I have right now. And one of the things I do have is I have this skill that I've only ever used at work. But I actually think the church might be able to use that. I've heard Nathan allude to a couple things in some messages, or I heard him overheard a conversation the other day. And it seems to me like he could use this. And I'm actually really good at that. I've just never told anybody, but you know. And I say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to help with that. I'm going to lead that. I know that they want to become more involved in that school. They don't have time, so I'm going to lead the charge. I'm going to say, count on me to be the leader for that thing. I don't know what your generosity story looks like, but I know this. If you want to grow in your faith, you will challenge yourself to become 
more generous. That's just how it is. For my family, listen, almost all of our generosity is funneled right here at Grace City Church. And that's because we believe strongly in the mission. We believe exactly that we are where God wants us to be, and we believe in what God has called this church to do. But if you feel like the way I've talked about money, or you've ever heard an elder talk about money, is in any way self-serving or manipulative, please hear this. You not only have my blessing, you have my encouragement to give that money elsewhere where you see the kingdom of God at work. I'll go as far as to say this. If you don't feel like you can be generous with your resources here, find a church that you believe in the leaders and the people and the mission, and you want to be generous. Because the last thing I would ever want is for your skepticism about me or this church to prevent you from growing in your faith. And that's exactly what becoming more generous will do for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for what we're about to celebrate. New life, God, amazing families, families who have chosen to come together and say, we want to do life together. God, I pray that each and every one of us would look at our lives, look at the things that you have entrusted us with, and ask back to you in a way of giving back to you of our first fruits. God, what can we do to help you accomplish this mission in this place at this time? I thank you for Grace City. I thank you for the people who make up this family. And I pray that you would bless us so that we might be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.